Hello, welcome to the Milk Road Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and I'm happy to say that uh, I'm here with Tim Schmidt today at the Elizabeth Town Cafe. And Tim is the is the head of the Tasmanian Hemp Association. He's the president, and I'd like to invite Tim onto the podcast now and have him introduce himself and tell us a little bit about uh, the past, the present, and the future of the hemp industry here in Tasmania. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Adam. Uh, yeah, uh, Tim Schmidt's my name, and I'm a local farmer at Deloraine in northern Tasmania. Um, I've been growing hemp for about 10 years. Um, I'm also the president of the Australian Hemp Council, which is a national body representing the hemp industry in agriculture for growers and processors. How long have you been on the uh, Australian Hemp Council? Uh, the Hemp Council has been uh, fully operational for just about 18 months. Oh, okay, so that's pretty new, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, uh, there was a desperate need for uh, coordinated, comprehensive representation for all the de- various state organisations and uh, the Hemp Council is just a seven member body uh, which is an umbrella body for the the Hemp Association throughout the states and the Northern Territory of Australia. Mm -hmm. And how did you get started with hemp as a product? So um, some years ago I just read an article in uh, the local agricultural newspaper here, the Taz Country, and I was reading about Phil Reader and uh, his experiences with hemp, uh, it was very new uh, at that time and it was being trialled as a, uh, a fibre variety and uh, they were, uh, it, it, it piqued my interest and uh, uh, I discovered that it could fit very well into our crop rotations due to the nature of our cropping environment and so I thought I'd give it a go and um, I've I found that it was an amazingly interesting crop to grow and uh, one of the key things is that it's unique you know not a lot of people have done it and that kind of excited me particularly when and and people listening will find that as they research and learn more about uh, industrial hemp they will find that it just is fascinating and the potential for the industry both here in, in Australia and globally, is, is enormous. Mm-mm. We're just at the tip of the iceberg. That's what I see it. And from the investor perspective, it looks to me like you're at the early stages of an industry that has a very large growth trajectory, right? Like the poppy industry did, if you will, a number of years ago. And there's some key differences and uh, key comparables between it. Um, what would you say are some of the um, uh, some of the differences? Yeah, so well, first of all, one of the reasons Tasmania is so advanced in the hemp industry is because uh, it's his, um, historically had a an opium production system here, where you can drive along the countryside and you can see some of the most dangerous drug plants uh, almost within reach, and so with the establishment of the industrial hemp industry here where there is no um, virtually no drug at all in the plant uh, for a cannabis sativa um, as compared to the opium poppy um, the uh, both the bureaucrats the government and the community were quite relaxed about the fact that there would be an establishment of an industrial hemp industry in tasmania 
this experience has not been the same in places like Victoria and Queensland, where the uh, community and <clears throat> government knowledge and familiarity is is not there, and so uh, they were not um, as open to the development of the industry, and that's held those states back. So, so what you're saying is that Tasmania has a skill set already in the uh, in the culture of dealing with a plant that's a lot more dangerous, if you will. Well, I wouldn't call industrial hemp a lot more dangerous. It's pretty no, no, benign. no. I'm saying poppy. But like certainly the, with the poppy, poppies, yeah. the poppy was much more dangerous, and that this is uh, in a way not dangerous at all, right? So it's like chalk and cheese when it comes to uh, growing a new plant. Whereas people in other states did not have the poppy experience, so it's like that's correct. Yeah, they can't tell the difference between like a poisonous snake and one that's not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, is that a wrong way to think of it? No, no, that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's how it's that's how it's worked. So um, that's been a benefit for Tasmania and a detriment to the other states. And that's why you joined the uh, the national board in order to kind of guide that journey of uh, of, of of people understanding what the what the opportunities are. Or no, I'm seeing your senior. yeah. Look, um, yeah, I think um, uh, just a I'm a, to go back a step and and part of my motivation. Uh, being involved in this industry is is to right a wrong, uh, and I think it's wrong that industrial hemp is treated and viewed in the way that it is. And uh, personally, it's my mission uh, to uh, get the community and society and government to understand better about industrial hemp, and so be able to embrace it for its advantages. And, uh, and there is a huge number of advantages and I'm happy to say that there is a growing uh, number of people in our society who are developing this understanding and are very eager to embrace industrial hemp as a, uh, uh, an industry that can provide the answers to many of the serious problems we've got looming towards us, including carbon sequestration and uh, dealing with climate change, sustainable farming, all those things. Industrial hemp has a huge role in that area. Uh, our, our, my mission is to get people to see that and to um, you know, contribute to foot towards the development of the industry. That's a, that's a huge statement and I love that. That's fantastic. I want to uh, try to grab a couple pieces in there and, and uh, ask you some questions about that if that's okay. Yeah. So um, you said that uh, uh, you're on a mission to right a wrong, yeah, and and I get that too. Like you know, this uh, I see it that way as well. That uh, industrial hemp um, is being has been treated in a way that doesn't make commercial sense, and that's hurting a lot of business people in a world where we need new business models, right? Is that because uh, we don't have new business models coming through? in ways that uh, help drive our economy, then that puts our economy at more risk than we should have. Does that, is it wrong to say it that well, way? Would I, you I, say it better? Or how do you think of it? Well, the way I see it is that um, uh, I, I'd like to use the word opportunity in, in development of, of an industry that can generate huge revenue for the investors and also generate huge benefits for the community and society in general. Cool. Okay, so you've got those numbers in terms of uh, where the um, uh, where the 
the revenue, uh, the size of these commercial opportunities can go. Uh, you were uh, just reading them earlier. Yeah. Um, um, do you want to kind of unpack some of those data? Like, you know, we're, we're at zero now and we're going to X. What, what are those? Well, uh, just, to, just to sort of broaden it out a little bit more and to get to that, um, uh, you can divide uh, hemp byproducts or the hemp products into four broad sections, and that is food, fibre, fodder, and extracts. So uh, in the Tasmania is focused on the food uh, industry over the last um, uh, eight or ten years, and is at the forefront of Australia's production of hemp seed for food. The fibre industry, I think last year's crop was only three percent of fibre, but I can see uh, there's there's going to be uh, quite a significant area in trials. Uh, planted to fibre throughout Australia and that is going to be, there's going to be huge growth in that area. Is that what relates to the uh, the hempcrete? Yes. Yeah, so that contributes to the, um, the use of the plant uh, to go toward a carbon neutral world? Yes. Is that what you're talking about? Yep. And Andy's got, uh, is doing some excellent pioneering work in order to process the plant to create this industry. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So this, I mean, there's two aspects of that fibre component. Um, what Andy's doing is utilising the seed production byproduct, which is basically the stubble left in the paddock, extracting the herd from it, and supplying in an emerging hempcrete market. Uh, the really serious way to supply that market is to uh, grow fibre-specific crops, which create a lot more biomass. Mm. And uh, and hence sequester a lot more carbon. So this is this is an area where there's going to be um, enormous growth in the Australian market, or at least what I can. That see. sounds like that's a really because I the kind of the meaning the pennies dropping right because concrete is a huge uh, mm. uh, uh, producer of uh, carbon emission mm. right like it's one of the top three or ten or whatever. Whereas uh, if you're using uh, hemp plant, you're storing it away like wood. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that that should that. I mean where, another. Where's, uh, the, where's the industry understanding that as a value add in the carbon sequestration process? Well, part, part of the problem in this situation, and and it'll be overcome eventually, but is the lack of investment in the industry, and and the reason for this is because. Um, People don't understand the potential that's there uh, to establish a proper fibre industry in Australia. You need, um, you know, a couple of million dollars investment, and then you have the infrastructure. But it's got to be married up to uh, the development of the uh, consumer market. So that's why there's been problems with it before. But right now uh, we're in a lot different situation because the community is much more aware and much more amenable to um, the advantages of um, investing or utilising um, hemp-based products in their building. So there's an emerging, um, it's, it's, a, it's a lot more proactive emerging market. Um, like for instance, six years ago, I think there was a handful of hemp houses in Australia. Uh, now there's about 200 or so, and uh, that number will be rapidly Increasing, there's I think there's ten built for, um, 
earmark for construction in Tasmania this year. So. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I know Andy's been, I went to your farm, I believe it was, and there were people in from Launceston, and Andy gave them a tour of, uh, of her basically constructing the hempcrete industry or and her role in that, right? Mm. So, yeah, that sounds like maybe with what's happening um, in Australia when it comes to... Uh, to more buy-in from the whole ecosystem and that, you know, we mm. got to start doing this stuff, mm. right? Yeah. Mm. And you guys are leading that yeah. way. Yeah. So um, one of the key aspects for utilization of hemp is whole plant use. Mm. That's where <clears throat> the, um, the growers can uh, gain the greatest advantage. At the moment in Tasmania, we're just producing it for seed and that is a viable process, but there's other uh, resources of the plant that are suited to markets uh, that currently aren't being utilised but as the industry evolves and develops and the investment comes to allow that mm -hmm. then there will be full more further utilisation of the of the whole plant and uh, that will create an incredibly efficient and, uh, and profitable industry for the growers and for the people that invest in the downstream processing and production of products and materials from from that. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like, uh, you know, butchering a cow and throwing away half of it or something. Exactly. Like that. That's what's happening at the moment. And it's, right. it's not right. So um, just to, 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 to continue with the, uh, you've got food, fibre, and then fodder. Um, there's recent research come out of South Australia, uh, sorry, Western Australia, uh, AgriFutures sponsored um, research that shows that um, feeding uh, byproduct of of the hemp, the straw, uh, to to livestock can actually enhance uh, weight gain. It's, okay. Yeah. So that, that sounds big. Yeah, yeah, and and look, the, like like a lot of research, it raises more questions than it does answers. So there's further work to do in that, in that area, but it has been shown that there is something particular about the product, the, the byproduct of the hemp that is um, helpful in creating more efficiency in livestock production. And you're talking about weight gain for beef cattle at like what percentage? It was it was like in ballpark, and I'm not. We're not going to hold you to this. Just yeah, I think I think I'm I'm not certain. It might have been around five percent or something like that. But it was in uh, uh, sheep production. Okay. And they and they they're continuing that research, and and there's um, plenty of more questions to try and answer <laughs> in Wait, that area. This reminds me uh, that. Recently, with uh, Sea Shepherd is a Tasmanian company where they started feeding seaweed to cows to reduce methane. Like there may be some really uh, simple things out there that haven't been done at uh, at all or at scale that we can be doing. And this sounds maybe kind of like in that direction. Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the well. This is where. Uh, investment and in research is required to to follow up those questions. Yeah. Well, you've got a paper, I think, that you mentioned that you're uh, that you're reading or presenting or working on with the agri uh, agri futures. With, yeah, with the agri futures group, and then you've got the conference in Launceston in March coming up. Can you educate listeners a little bit about how those things are all fitting together, and as you as you guide the industry 
yeah. a leader? Yeah, yeah. Look, if it's all right, I'll just go back to yeah, please. the um, extracts component yeah. of the plant. Yeah, yeah, good idea. That's four. Thank which, you. Which, which yeah. is the fourth component. Yeah. yeah. This is uh, this is the sleeping giant. Um, there's about a, around about 105 cannabinoids in uh, cannabis and THC is only one of them and that's the psychoactive component that makes you high and industrial hemp is everything except THC so there's other cannabinoids such as CBD and um, uh, CBG and, and there's well there's, there's a whole range of them but what we've found is um, uh, it, it is that there's uh, enormous uh, scope for market development in that area. Uh, there's um, there's been predictions of um, uh, market demand in say for uh, rare synthesised um, uh, rare, rare extracted cannabinoids. Um, of, of the value of say 25 billion by 2025 and then there's uh, um, so it's from zero now yes okay and is that all of Australia uh, that's that's global that's globally. a global globally. that's a global market prediction got it so biosynthesis of rare cannabinoids is, is that component and uh -huh. then and then uh, there's another one called um, clonoflavin ABC and it's 30 times more, or shown to be 30 times more uh, effective than aspirin with no, no side effects. What's that one called again? Sorry. Canaflavin ABC. Okay. So, so there's been predictions, uh, and it's just speculation, of course, but, but uh, they've done their homework and they say that there could well be a $40 billion market by 2040. Uh, just in that, uh, that, that's just one cannabinoid out of... Out of the 105. Out of, out of the 105, yeah. Right, and yeah. they're doing lots of research on the others. There's also... And are these universities in Tasmania doing that uh, mainly? No, no, this is global research. Global, like yeah. in Holland or the US or US, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, okay. Europe, yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, so there's, there's enormous uh, capacity for uh, market um, evolution and development return uh, in relation to the cannabinoids. But... As an example, uh, CBD, for instance, which is no more dangerous than echinacea, is treated like a dangerous drug. And Wait, repeat that. You lost me there. Say it again. Uh, CBD, which CBD, is... CBD, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So just, just for those that aren't familiar with CBD, um, there's no um, psychoactive or, or bad side effects from this product, but it is shown to be useful in... Uh, treating anxiety, uh, inflammation in the body, um, and, and it's also been useful for fighting cancer. So it's, it's quite a useful um, uh, cannabinoid uh, for the community in general. And it's, is it still treated as Schedule 1? Uh, no, it's been moved to Schedule... Uh, I can't remember. But it was moved. It, for a long yeah, time yeah, it was. Yeah. It, it sounds to me like the industry... The plant is on a journey from like being considered like a tiger snake to like okay, it's it is a snake, but it's not gonna yeah it's yeah not, it's not what we understand it to be yeah and and I can sort of explain the origin of that as well please. In fact, I saw Alex Keach at the very first uh, 
uh, Hemp Taz uh, dinner that I ever went to do an excellent presentation about that. Is mm. that what you're going to kind of well, give us as well? Well, just, just encapsulating it, there yeah. was, there's a thing called the Single Convention with the United Nations, and it was, I think, uh, set up in 1963 and, and reviewed in 74, and basically um, it uh, declared that anything to do with cannabis sativa uh, was an illegal drug and at the time they were not aware of the composition of the cannabinoids within the, ca the cannabis plant and uh, because they didn't know that and uh, they were worried about the THC they used a blanket term. Now since then uh, you've got uh, the interpretation of the intent of the law which the United States, Canada and Europe have, have chosen to follow. And then you've got the literal interpretation of the law, which um, Australia unfortunately is, is, is using. So what that means is that instead of understanding that the law was intended for THC as, as a psychoactive component drug that uh, in, with improper use was detrimental to society, they have covered Australian uh, uh, lawmakers at this stage have covered the entire components of the plant. Oh, ever the whole plant. The the U.S. and the Canada guys are going. Actually, that's the bad part of the plant. We're going to outlaw that or legislate that more more formally, and the rest of it's okay. And you're saying that yeah, in well, Australia we've just gone like the whole plant hasn't is too risky. Yeah, yeah, well, they're, they're, they're Australia is um, still um, working with the 1974 uh, literal interpretation of the proclamation when many other countries have moved on and taken it on the intent, which is to uh, control and reduce the consumption of THC-based um, drugs in the community, which is fair enough. It needs to be controlled, but unfortunately, they've roped in about a hundred and five, a hundred odd cannabinoids and other products from the hemp plant that are uh, incredibly beneficial for society and um, really don't have a serious need as far as production goes to be regulated. Um, it's not the sort of thing that uh, you're going to um, uh, cause havoc with. Uh, they're actually they're being treated negative when they're beneficial. Yes, that's what yeah. that's what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, and and well, what the government's done is put huge regulation on it, which makes it uneconomical uh, to produce these things uh, for the community, and and it makes it difficult to to develop the markets and and the benefits for society that are um, uh, that have been held back because of the bureaucracy and this and the and the outdated. Uh, law in Australia on uh, in the case of industrial hemp. Mm. I think New Zealand's got the same model as Australia. They had a vote recently that that I was kind of watching. I think it didn't go. It was uh, it was it was very very close. It was so marginal. Yeah. Uh, but it was almost half and half. Mm. Yeah, it was like right on the edge of, uh, mm. of loosening up legislation to fall more like Canada than the US. And the problem there, uh, is, uh, which is the same in Australia, is that the, uh, many people don't understand 
they have not learnt about industrial hemp and uh, the, the, the nature of what it is and what sort of opportunities it can provide them and their society. They, they, they don't understand it, so if you don't know it, well then, you, if you're unsure, you say no. I don't want that because yeah, exactly. I don't understand. If you, yeah, it. yeah. If you don't understand something, it's like I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fearful of what could happen because I don't know what could happen. So this is why our society and community needs to be educated to understand, to delve into the nature of industrial hemp, and to really see um, just the enormous benefit it can be to society if it's just had the shackles removed from it by by government and the misunderstanding i think is what that's I mean. right yeah. yeah so you're doing uh uh you're doing foundational work in that area which is why you're uh president of the tasmanian hemp association and on the national board as well yeah um and maybe i mean as an investor kind of uh, trying to to speculate on where the industry is going to go to me it sounds like we might see government messaging need to kick in to explain that hempcrete is part of the solution and start to loosen up uh, regulation on the plant. Does that sound crazy? Yeah, yeah. So um, as an example, the, the, the Tasmanian Hemp Association has applied for funding to be able to facilitate a, um, a community awareness of um, industrial hemp. And uh, because, I mean, the advantage for Tasmania is that we're the leaders in um, hemp seed for food production. And is that human? That's all human. 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 Only non-animal. Non-animal. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so Tasmania is well placed to benefit from uh, development of that market and really to facilitate the development of the market um, an understanding of the benefits of the product and uh, all that sort of thing is going to uh, to help it grow. Okay, that's um, that's my understanding. I know you've got uh, um, uh, the conference coming up in March, right? That we mentioned earlier, uh, and that sounds like a uh, uh, that's going to be a meaningful event. Is that a national event? Yeah, that's a national biannual conference. Um, uh, we we go turn about with New Zealand. And uh, if anyone's interested in learning about hemp, that would be one of the best places. Uh, it's at the Country Club in Launceston, but in around the 22nd of March. Yeah. Um, there's going to be, we, we, I mean, as this, I think this is the third conference, um, and they have a really good international input. Uh, you get to learn about uh, overseas research and trends, and, uh, and also, uh, how Australia can take advantage of developments in the industry. So, and and for the you know for someone who's curious about industrial hemp, it's a hell of a place to get caught up on what's going on. Yeah, it's a couple day event. You said I think. Yeah. 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 Okay. So um, you and I talked earlier about uh, like investors uh, uh, are uh, you know like I don't know anything about the hemp industry. It's just, you know, generally speaking, and I'm learning a lot right now, so thanks for educating me about it. And as I try to um, uh, educate myself, I look for these things, these trends, and I, and I try to see these trends uh, starting small and growing large. 
right? And think of them as themes, right? So if we think about uh, holiday themes, Christmas themes, and you know, if you're gonna talk about investing money in, in different things, right? So um, it, to me, it seems like the industry is at such an early stage that it hasn't yet worked out the language even to describe some of these emerging trends and emerging themes. And in the past, like when Alex Keach from ETC, it is? ECS. ECS Botanicals did that great presentation, right? I could see that the government way back when to uh, kind of bump hemp out of the, uh, out of the sphere, right? They, they created all this languaging that made it really dangerous, right? And to mislead and mis, uh, create misunderstanding. So um, do you see, when I say that it, to me as an investor, it feels like the industry itself is missing some simple language to, to guide the journey, uh, you know, to the vision that you've got here and that, uh, and that that journey language then can be used as to inspire and educate investors and like we're on this journey to go there. And we've seen that with, uh, with climate change, which is, you know, something that we're fearing and we want to get to a carbon neutral world. So to get there, we have to have a revolution, a green revolution. So uh, I'll stop talking now because it's a little bit rambly, but uh, I mean, do you, what do you think about this idea of, of naming the investment trends and the themes so that you can align your investors and stakeholders and people in the industry? Where do you, what do you think about that? Does that sound stupid? <laughs> no, 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 no. I think, um, you know, that will come in time because uh, the more, you know, there could be some uh, hotshot uh, reporter come up with um, a trendy uh, de uh, determination of a, of a name for what it is. One of the difficulties is that hemp, for instance, you can, you can it's got 1,500 or 15,000 different products you can drive from hemp. Um, you've got the four big components. It's, it's such a broad thing. Um, but uh, I think in, in that, uh, and, and yeah, it's such a broad, there's so many facets of the plant that can be utilised for so many different things. It's such a broad thing, but I think in time, it will create its own uh, <clears throat> its own name for its journey. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Hempcrete is a good example of a name. Did Andy come up with that? Was is no, that no, that's been term? around. That's it's been, been around, around for a while, while yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, the carbon uh, carbon differential between concrete and uh, and hemp that's got to be a that's got to be a reasonable number. <laughs> Just as an aside, um, another um, aspect energy saving aspect of hempcrete is the great insulation capacities uh, so that means that less energy is used to keep the house warm it's just another just another example of one of the many things that hemp does that all um, helps towards uh, sustainable livings and sustainable society uh, there's there's many many examples but that's just one of them mm. okay so people that are listening that are hearing about um, this kind of maybe for the first time or, or first time in a while, right? And start to see there are, there may be commercial opportunities emerging for them. What would you suggest that they do besides consider going to the conference? Like what, uh, what are some problems that you're facing in the industry where you're like, hey, you know, uh, and I'm on the board, say, for uh, example, Startup Tasmania. Like, what can what would our organization consider doing to like collaborate in some way to educate and and any and I'm not saying that they would or we could but 
you know, people that are listening, what are some problems that you're working on that you could use some help with? Um, and maybe it's just people joining the Hemp Association as a member. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what else, right? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, what else is out there? We, we want to bring about social change. We want to bring about legislative change. Um, and through that, uh, one of the key functions of both the IHC and uh, the, the Tasmanian Hemp Association is a communic- facilitation of communication and learning so that people become aware of of what's right there in front of them that um, can be so good for them. Um, for an investor or potential investor, I'd say do your homework. There's been plenty of people, say, in for example, in the CBD area, there's been a huge um, raft of investment into CBD production and then all of a sudden um, there's a global oversupply of CBD raw material and the market hasn't had the opportunity to develop yet. So I suppose, you know, if you're looking at investing in the industry, just be mindful of um, the capacity of investment compared to the development of the market. The market will is and will develop. I think that a lot of lessons um, and a lot of verifying information can be obtained from overseas ventures. There's particularly Canada. um, They're probably the most technically advanced country as far as um, industrial hemp goes and they've got some great systems there uh, you know you can purchase decorticators from there set them up in Australian what's a corticator D- decorticator that's that? a that's a machine that will actually separate the herd which is the chalky white inside part of the stalk from the bast which is the outside fiber and then the herd is used to make hemp creep and and then the outside the bast component um, it can be used to make clothes if it's of good enough quality or just garden mulch or whatever. Right, right. Well, I read about uh, just the other day, oh, yeah, it's uh, the sheep here in Tasmania are being fed something so that the wool is being considered carbon neutral. Did you see that? The no, other I haven't seen that. Yeah, no. right. So when you're talking about the fiber, I think, being used for clothing, mm. right? I mean, I've seen, I think, some hemp-made T-shirts and clothes and things like that. Is that... Uh... Yeah, they mostly come from China where their labour and, and um, infrastructure costs are... Oh, they've got a huge yeah, scale. I mean, yeah, and, yeah, um, it can't compete. Yeah. yeah, we're talking about, like, the uh, the top end of quality, right? Mm. So what's it been like to... Um, when you first put seed into the ground as a farmer, right, and that crop rotation that you talked about, I mean, that's... So I look at the, I look at anybody doing that as an investor. I look at all farmers as investors. I mean, you guys, the original investors, and you're taking risk on the land, right? Yeah. What was it like to you know plant the first crop? Did you know where you were going to sell it? Uh, yeah, I had a contract. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, and how many acres did you grow when you started? Uh, oh, about eight hectares, which is about twenty acres. Okay. And um, and then uh, did you? Uh, what was the, um, I guess it must be a lot easier now for farmers to be like, okay, we're going to plant X. You're getting, uh, from what I can tell, you're getting people coming in going, I'm going to test 20 hectares now, 50 hectares. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, well, the, at the moment, there's an, uh, an oversupply in the pipeline of hemp seed for food. And so the companies have scaled, well, actually, there's one company that's increased, but it, one of the major ones has scaled back to, to so that they can... Um, 
uh, sell out their pipeline excess. Okay. Uh, Is yeah. that a COVID thing at all or no? No, no, no. That's just that there was, um, uh, the growers did so well so early that they produced uh, quite a lot of product. Right. A lot more. So, you know, the, the market, the consumption market is increasing around 10% or thereabouts per annum. Uh-huh. And that's a constant. Uh, and then the production, it was, you know, it went from 300 to, to 600 hectares to 1400 hectares just in a number of years. And then... Well, those are jumps. Yeah, big jumps. And uh, which, which honestly put way more um, strain, strain on the infrastructure okay than in tasmania than right. than we would have liked but this year well last year there was about a thousand hectares and this year there's 700. now 700 is a really good number okay. because um because the infrastructure is going to handle it without any trouble at all we've got growers with three and four years hemp growing under their belt they know what they're doing they can get good yields um it's uh it's it's it means that we're going to have a better quality product uh, th- through better management through the supply chain, um, it's all it's all uh, positive. And then, as the uh, supply line is um, product is pulled through, uh, then we'll see an increase in plantings in Tasmania, uh, because obviously we produce the best quality seed for food in Australia. Mm. And um, okay, on that quality we'll, note, right? Um, I mean, is it uh, is it um, a lot of industries are moving toward uh, carbon neutral and organic, whatever you want to call that means. Is it too early to for that to be happening in Tasmania? Where are we with the whole uh, non-pesticide stuff? And I know that, it, like you know, that it's that it's uh, not easy to weed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So when a, I mean hemp itself is not a difficult plant to. Um, cultivate on an organic basis but you've got to understand that there is huge competition for natural resources and capital in terms of peas potatoes beef mutton wool lamb all those things there that's what that's the environment that the hemp is competing in now with those other enterprises they're not so well disposed towards organic production oh wow are you talking about so the rotation thing yeah right if you're rotating to non-organic demand products, then it doesn't really work. There would not be, well, no, I'll qualify this, but um, there would be hardly any farms in Tasmania that only pander to one single enterprise. Part of the secret to survival in agriculture is diversity Mm -hmm. and being able to adapt to the different market trends and uh, adapt your enterprises to where you can see that you can get the best return out of your de- out of your soil and your water and sunshine. So uh, hemp is competing in this uh, environment, and and the point I'm trying to make is that mm. you've got an enterprise where you've got, or you've got a farm where you've got about three, four, or five different enterprises. Most of them are very, very dependent on uh, you know the use of. Uh, chemical to fertilizer traditional fertilizer well fertilizers and and glyphosate and and things like that yeah so um normal farming yeah yeah and and say in particular like if you have a a cattle operation where you're running young cattle well if you're not using um 
drenches to control the worm burdens, you'll lose half your mob. Uh, and then to become uh, certified organic, well, you can't use those drenches. So it's just a, it's too much of a compromise. Right, they haven't fit together yet. No, well, you can't, you can, uh, I mean, what I'm saying is that um, it's, uh, hemp is well predisposed towards organic production. But if you've got that in a system where there's other enterprises that can't easily be disposed towards organic production, then mm. then that's where the problem is. Yeah, like I, I do know a few dairy farms that are going toward organic, right? Mm. So they might be able to do it, but I don't think that they do that, right? It's like, I don't want to deal with uh, growing plants yeah. in my cattle fields, Yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, are there any other crops that, uh, like you mentioned, the peas, potatoes, and carrots? I think, right? Mm. What uh, What do you rotate with? Uh, I grow potatoes, and um, and hemp and, and beef. Okay, right. So, if you, as the leader of the Tasmanian Hemp Association, I want to ask you a tricky question. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is um, and. Uh, and I think I know the answer, and it's not that tricky. I mean, if you could snap your fingers and solve one major problem just like that, what would it be? Well, I believe that um, uh, the key to the success of the Australian industrial hemp industry is proactive legislative change. Once that occurs, the capital will follow. So, uh, and the markets will emerge. Well, the markets are emerging anyway, and, and or the point I said earlier yeah. when we were talking is that this is a process that is going to happen and the question is does Australia want to be at the forefront of an amazing emerging industry and create great wealth for its community and its and its farmers or are we going to trail behind the rest of the world and let them do the groundbreaking stuff and make the and, and, and take the prize and we'll be contributor to their uh, economic success. That's the question. Are we going to be proactive and get on with this and get it happening? Or are we just going to let that slide on by? She'll be right. Well, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what you're afraid of. Yeah, that, that, that attitude. Well, no, not so much that. It's, I'm just afraid of the attitude that we don't understand this well enough. We're not going to change. Mm -hmm. That's the attitude I'm afraid of. Got it. All right, well, I want to, um, I think we're talking about having a 45-minute podcast here, and I think we're kind of uh, roaming into that neighborhood there, and I'd like to offer you to have the last uh, word there, if you'd like. I think in a way, you just, I think I just heard it, <laughs> yeah? Mm -hmm. I really like that message, so, because what I'm hearing is you saying, look, uh, we can either kind of sit back and uh, and and not... Uh, move the story forward and seize on the natural opportunity that's right in front of us that you know as you said earlier you want to right a wrong and that's your mission mission in terms of uh, you know moving the industry forward um, and um, and if we don't then it's kind of like an easy missed opportunity because we're not working together and not educating one another about it does that does that summarise kind of? Uh, that's that's what I'm hearing. Is is, is that? Uh... I guess um, I guess for the purpose of this podcast, one of the key things I would say, and I would urge the listeners to uh, uh, have a look at the hemp industry, delve into it a little bit, and uh, you'll be 
you'll be fascinated at, as to what is happening and what can happen. Um, and every single person that does that, that means that it, it, the knowledge grows and with the knowledge would be the desire to bring about change. Oh, that's beautiful. I really like that. Thanks so much for sharing your knowledge and your education and wisdom and experience. And I'm looking forward to uh, learning more about the journey and I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be part of it. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, thanks.